0: Welcome back to um, the Doomer Optimism podcast. Um, Today we're going to have a conversation about parenting in the world um, in which we live. Um, I'm joined by Trace, Tom, and Jeremy, and um, our audience knows Trace and myself, but I'm going to let Tom and Jeremy start by introducing themselves a bit, um, and then we'll just jump right into the conversation about parenting. And let's start with Tom.
1: Uh thank you Ashley. Um Tom Ruby. Let's see. I was born a uh I was born a peasant in Serbia and my mother uh my mother escaped from the country with me. Um ended up living in the city in Los Angeles, uh, growing up there and then spent 30 years in the Air Force. Um retired to um 15 and a half acres uh, in the hill country of Kentucky and the knobs um, we've got a 15 and a half acre farm and when people say what do you farm trees in our garden and um, we're turning six acres that used to be pasture into a into a forest we work pretty actively with our horticultural extension agents and the state foresters to do that um, to keep the you know the creeks flowing um, and habitat um, we've got a pretty nice orchard and what's relevant to this discussion is that um, all four of our kids and their families love coming back here um, I mean they really really love coming back here so our son wants to raise his family on this place
0: we're gonna have to pick your brain on that because I feel like part of our I think a lot of us are probably um, in the thick of the parenting under, you know, of, of children stage. And a lot of us for us, it's, that's the goal. So um, we can kind of get into the the idea of, you know the, the, what has worked and, and getting you to that place. So, all right, Jeremy, let, let you introduce yourself now.
2: Yeah, um, Jeremy, thanks you guys. Appreciate you including me in this. And uh, yeah, we uh, live in the Denver area and um, we have three kiddos. We homeschool. Um, I'm a web designer, and a lot of a lot of uh, what I'm looking to explore is how to, you know, uh, not only raise kids well, um, but also kind of um, thinking more. Uh, long-term kind of Tom, kind of what you were talking about as far as like, how do you, how do you build something that's that's beautiful and lasting and, and um, you know, that is uh, just built well, you know? Um, it, it, not even just talking about, a, you know, physical building, but like building a family, right? Like it's, it is, it is something that you are building, you know, it's not just happenstance, so. Yeah.
0: Wonderful. Um, I think what I'll start with is this um, this question that often comes up with with people who I guess we will call doomer aware people um, who just like are are just, you know, I guess, overwhelmed by the state of the world and and the response to this from some is don't have children at all. Like how can one bring children into this world? This is typically called the antinatalist position. Um, I don't think it's like so strong as anti or pronatalist or it has to be those extremes, but I I think wrestling with that is probably central to our discussion here. So I just wanna start with that. Um, I want to um, do a little hat tip to um, Jeff, the doomsday parent um, who couldn't make it um, because he has some childcare responsibilities. Um, but he sent on um, some notes that he's been working on um, with regard to this question. And obviously this is something he thinks a lot about. Um, and he has this quote um, from Jordan Hall, um, who's I think, I don't I don't know much about Jordan, but I just, I know that he's like adjacent to this sense-making um, community. Um, And I just want to read this quote to start and get your guys' responses. So um, Jordan says, um, just inheriting children that that we had in a place where maybe there's a little bit more inertia, a little bit less consciousness about the magnitude of the challenges we face as a human family. But literally, as part of our commitment, our journey into how how we do this to use parenting as our crucible and our binding to the mast. As far as I'm concerned, this is not just a little bit important. It may in fact be the central line, the axis mundi around which any plausible future for humanity can be found. So he's making the argument here, like basically having children forces you to like engage with the, uh, you know, the problems of the world in like a much more visceral way. I found this to be true. And I'm wondering um, if if any anyone else has, um, you know, thoughts on this topic.
1: Go ahead, Jeremy. Yeah,
2: um, for sure. I think, um, I mean, I remember my, my kids are 12, uh, nine and, and we have a one-year-old as well and um, you know, I remember 12 years ago, holding my kid for the first time, it's like, man, the world is completely different now, you know, and, and so as you, as you grow as being a parent, from what I found is that, yeah, you are a lot more engaged, you're a lot more, you start thinking a lot farther down the road, you start thinking a lot more about like, what are we leaving behind, you know, you end up for myself at least i ended up caring a lot more about um the problems that are going on you know and and not in a fearful way but just in a way of like okay like what are we doing about this and and how can i as as a parent of this of this person you know of these people um you know respond in such a way what are, yeah what are we going to uh a big thing is like, as the world gets a little bit crazier, it's, it feels like it's getting a lot more global, right? Like, it's just like, I mean, even just the news, right? You can, you can read news from anywhere and, and you're knowing what's going on anywhere, which is just a ridiculous idea from history, right? Like at no point in history, could we be that connected and quick, right? And, and so it's like, okay, well, how do we respond to that as parents? And so it, it forces me to think about that, you know, where it's like, if I didn't have kids, it's just like, well, it's just kind of myself or my, my wife and I, or whatever, you know, it's, it's a lot easier just to not care as much, but you know, you're, you have these kids who like have no say in a lot of things. You're like, all right, well, I'm, I'm speaking up for them, you know, um, they're, their future depends on it to a certain degree, you know,
0: so. Yeah, totally. Um, sorry, go ahead, Tom.
1: Well, I was just going to piggyback on that and say that I think that kids raising kids forces you to move from the abstract to the practical. Mm
3: -hmm. Okay.
1: So these, um, these no kids people that are out there today, um, so I'm saying this without judging them, but I am actually—I'm not making a judgment about whether they ought to be doing what they're doing. But I, I'm going to say what I think is the natural consequence of that. Okay, you can say whatever you want about saving the world, and you can say whatever you want about you know uh, how you think humanity ought to be. But if you're you know if if you're not having kids. You can you can buy your six dollar cup of coffee in your disposable, you know, cup and stand in line. You know, there's there's a Starbucks here in our in our small town uh, on the bypass. And it's stunning to me at three thirty in the afternoon that there's 16 cars standing in line or waiting in line idling. And, and some of these people are idling their cars, waiting in line for their $6 cup of coffee and thinking to themselves, I'm never having kids, okay. having kids forces you from the, from the abstract into the practical of what am I going to do for these people that need my help, that need our guidance that are, that can't live without us. Okay. They, it, you know, it, it's they they can't forage on their own, they they can't create their own heat for themselves with their in their own bodies. Okay, so so they need us, what are we going to do for them? And what are we going to leave for them? And how are we going to prepare them to be out on their own? Those are practical questions, not abstract questions, okay, that we have to that we have to do. And the idea, the idea that things are worse today than they ever have been so we better not you know have kids we we, because things are worse today than they ever have been we're going to make it better by just not having kids is is just completely out of sorts with with the empirical evidence of history okay Do you want to say, do you you want to say more on that point? Yeah, uh, sure. (laughs) If the way that we, the way that we've progressed, like just listen, go to humanprogress.org. If you're ever feeling, if you're ever feeling, you know, down about where we are with humanity, just go to humanprogress.org and, and, and look up where we are. We need more kids to make things, to, to have the ideas to get us out of the issues that we're in today. Okay? The we're, we're, where 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 we at because our predecessors and our forefathers had kids and figured things out practically. Okay? Tomorrow the people that got us to where we're at today, they're dead. They can't figure out tomorrow's problems. Okay? Tomorrow's problems have to be figured out by people and we need people.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay? Trace,
3: do you want to? Did you want to jump in yeah. there? Oh, I'm sorry, Tom. Go ahead. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Tom, you gave us a lot to chew on there. I think that um, I'll say that we're probably this is probably an unfair uh, debate because I think we're all <laughs> all of us have kids, like we're all pro clearly pro natalist, right? So uh, if if there's a divide, we don't really have uh, anyone speaking from the other side. I-, I will say that, like, for me, having my first child was the most profound spiritual experience of my life like it was it was Pandora's box like literally it was like I was one person and then a second later I was another person and I understood things like my soul was just cracked open and Mm. with with that came a tremendous amount of like horror right at like oh my gosh I am immensely unprepared for the level of, of, of responsibility I have just taken on, right? Um, and um, But I don't blame people in any way, shape or form, kind of piggybacking on what you're saying, Tom, is I don't bl- blame people who have not had that transformational experience for not understanding the depth of that transformation, mm-hmm. right? Is, um, you know, I'm not a particularly religious person um, and so, and I wasn't raised in the church or anything. So for me, you know, it, I, I, I understood religious conversion, religious transformation at that point. Like I understood while people say like, well, you'll just know, like when you've accepted Christ in your life, you'll just know. And it's just like, okay, well, that's, that's BS. That's a, that's a, that's a lie. Like you're telling me a story and then having my children I'm like, oh, I get it now. I, I get how you can be like one person, one moment and completely different the next. Um, and it's it's impossible to translate that, to articulate that to someone who has not had that conversion, right? Um, and so I, I get it, I get it. I feel like, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's the most logical, short-sighted, simple answer to the complex suite of problems we're facing okay, overpopulation is a problem. We'll just stop having kids. It's like, well, no, because like eventually, like even if, even if let's say literally 6 billion, 3 billion, whatever number it is, is the actual carrying capacity of the earth for living in a regenerative like stasis, right? Okay. Well, I think we can all agree. We don't want to just like murder 5 billion people, right? Like Um, So yes, phasing them out over time is probably the best way to do this. But at some point we need more people like, and we can't just like have like this gap all of a sudden where like, there's no 40 year olds on the planet, you know, (laughs) like we're going to have to like, we have to keep going. This is in a practical sense. And I also think there's a, there's an art to parenting. There's a, it's a culture, right. That has to be passed down. And we, we saw, we've seen it with agriculture, right? In one generation, we snuffed out at a whole, like almost all of human history in, as far as agricultural knowledge. You know, the boomers left the land, raised city kids, and now no one knows how to do this stuff. And even the farmers are just agri-industries, right? They know how to run a factory. They don't actually know how to, to steward the land. And so I think it's, like, it's, you know, I, I, I wonder, like, if we could get to this place where, like, we're in children of men, but it's like self-inflicted where we, we like literally, like no one knows how to be a parent anymore. Like we have to like relearn how to be a, be parents. Um, and so it's just better to kind of like keep that culture going, even if it's, you know, a minority. And I I mean, the funny thing is that like, when I was 27, like when, I, when we had our first child, I was 28. Uh, first one, not a single person had, had a kid around us. And half yeah. of them were like, nope, never having kids right? Yeah. Only one couple, one has stuck to their guns, only one. And it makes sense for them. They didn't want kids. They just, they've got a million animals. They're very happy with their life. (laughs) They've got a very, uh, profound friend life. Right. Um, I think you know, I think a little bit is short-sighted, like, you know, let, let's, let's talk when you're 65, (laughs) right? Like, let's talk when you don't have anyone supporting you, uh, at, at that age. Um, But, you know, and I don't and I think that's the thing is people in their 20s are not thinking about what it will be when they're in their 60s, 65 in a degraded, you know, apocalyptic United States (laughs) with no family, no support, everyone they know is either surrounded by their family or dead, right? And so it's like, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I feel sorry for them in a way. Like, you know, it's more of just like, wow, you know, you're like really missing out. And I feel bad for you that you're missing out. Um, Yeah. But I don't blame them. I don't I don't I'm not even judging them. It's just it's more of a profound sadness. You know, when you come across someone that you think is deeply misguided or we all have probably felt it with our kids where our kids are going to make dumb mistakes and we're going to tell them a million times not to make those dumb mistakes and they're still going to do it. And you almost have to have, you have this profound sadness for them, you know, just sort of like, man, I'm really sad. You have to go through this stupid thing that I went through just because I guess you have to go through it. You're in, you're your own human being, you know, and you have to experience this loss for yourself.
0: Totally. So. I would just, I, I would just add um, two things. One, um, I think it's probably okay that this is a one-sided debate because I think part of the um, the doomer optimist perspective in general is to like, seek the messiness despite. And so I think for us, like, I don't know, I, I just feel like, you know, having kids at all is like a doomer optimist project. How do you, how do you, um, you know, how do you move forward towards something positive? Um, I don't think an antinatalist could be, uh, like a, a hardcore antinatalist could be a doomer optimist, although we could get into a debate about that. But if they're just like, no, there's no hope for the future, basically, that's not really exactly what we're talking about here. We're talking about, okay, there, there's gotta be some kind of hope. What do we do? How do we figure out what that hope is? Um, and then the other comment is just like, uh, on like this philosophical spiritual level, this keeps coming up in doomer optimism. Like you you make this point about religion trace, like this it's like death and life creation destruction um you know like <laughs> acknowledging acknowledging death and destruction but then you know creating despite i would say that it also there's something interesting that we've talked about quite a bit um mapping onto um consumption versus production and going back to tom's point i'm thinking about like the these anti-natalist people not to car- caricature anyone but like know the 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 life is built around consumption you know you're not uh, for a lot of people in the u.s like the majority of their thoughts and power come from like i'm going to choose to consume this thing or this thing um and i and i think there is fundamentally a shift that that is lined up with the creation um part of this back and forth between creation and destruction that's about production and parenting as an act of production, like an act of creation. You're you're producing a family. You're producing a family culture, a person, um, you know, a whole perspective, a set of skills, all of that. So I don't know if um, Jeremy or Tom, you've had any follow-up comments to that.
2: Yeah, um, I think to kind of uh, go back a little bit to what Trace and Tom were were talking about. Um, I did grow up in the church and one of the interesting, um, things, you know, being a child of the eighties and nineties, um, that was right in kind of the, the wake of the Jesus movement in the seventies and the big, and there were some really good things actually that happened in the Jesus movement. Um, my dad's a product of it, you know, um, but, um, one of the big, um, things was, this whole end times uh, theology, you know, where it's like, I, I met people that didn't have kids that didn't get married because they're like, listen, it's the end times. Like, why would we do that? You know? And this, so this kind of anti-natalist, uh, you know, like, listen, we only have 10 years, whatever it is that, whatever number, I mean, the funny thing is that that number has been, you know, 10, 20 years has been kicked around since I was a kid. Like, I remember, yeah. I remember them talking about it, you know, when I was a kid and it was like, oh, by year 2000, year 2010, you know, it's like, um, so anyway, but it, it has that same hallmark of it's the end times, you know, it's just a different uh, religious perspective to a certain degree, you know, and um, yeah. And, and so I think that, Um, you know, moving forward, realizing that we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what, like, I think there's a big, um, I, I love this push of like, hey, listen, we have lost some skills as a culture. And, and it's really because of technology, right? Cars and, and roads and, and jobs that we can have that allow us to to not get our hands dirty, you know, um, but going back to like, as a parent thinking long-term, like, is that a good, is, is that a good thing culturally to have, you know? And and I think a lot of people are feeling it and um, they just don't know what to do about it, you know? And so being able to have these conversations and then have some people who've, who are a year ahead of us, five years ahead of us, whatever, in, in this kind of movement of like, um, you know, how can we, uh, bring some of these skills back and learn it along with our kids, you know, and be like, Hey guys, we're on an adventure. Like, let's go on this adventure together and, and, and discover, discover something. And and, and I find it so funny how it's like, I think COVID really, really pushed a lot of people into this thing of like, maybe we are living in dystopia already, you know, and, <laughs> and And there is, you know, such benefit to just getting your hands dirty and doing something real and producing something real.
1: And, um, yeah, so I, so I do think that we're already, I mean, I wrote an article last year, maybe the year before, um, from my, from my blog that, that says our, you know, our future dystopias really are our pasts. Okay. mm -hmm. Um, years ago my my mother-in-law wanted to watch the hunger games and uh so the kids we all got together and you know my my in-laws were here with the kids and we're gonna watch the hunger games and my father-in-law about 30 minutes into this just says i I can't do this anymore i can't do this this is why can't they ever make movies about something that's real why do we have to watch something that's never gonna ever happen (laughs) and i said but this has happened. He goes, "No, this has not happened. This is some future that's never going to exist." I said, "No, this is actually just a retelling of the Roman Republic. Mm-hmm. Th- these are the gladiatorial games of the Roman Republic, and these are the these are the Roman uh, these are the Roman aristocracy that are all dressed up like this. And this is actually what w- we have empirical evidence that this is what actually this is it happens throughout history.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's and- football." It's funny, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, we we, we raise this cl- this like group of people to distort their bodies and then b- destroy their brains for our entertainment, right? Now they don't kill each other on the field, although sometimes they actually do or get, you know, but we're right. meaning themselves for our entertainment. Every game, some kid has a, a season ending or career ending knee injury, right? On right. live national television. And we all, when we know that anyone who continues with that life will be brain damaged by the time they're 50, right? We know this. Right. And yet, a, you know, a, a what is it? A $50 billion industry has grown up around raising this this group of people to go kill themselves for our entertainment, you know? Well,
1: yeah. And the reason I'm bringing that up is that I, I, I want this, like this whole discussion is hinting around the edges of uh intentionality and, and, and objectives. Okay. What is, okay. If we're going to have kids, what is the objective of that? Okay. yeah. If we're going to, if we're going to have um, a homestead, what is the objective of that? Like, why are you doing that? What's your, what's your why? Like the, the people that have kids that, that haven't thought through their why okay, and just have kids because that's what you just do, um, it's a crapshoot what you get out of that, okay? You, you, you may get kids that get it. You may not, okay? Likely the kids are going to grow up to, to not have any kind of intentionality, okay? But the, I didn't have my conversion like Trace did until... Um, until we had our third daughter. And I realized that for the the past 12 years, you know, I was out busting my ass to get ahead. And I was getting ahead and I was on, I was on a fast train. I mean, I was on a really fast train and um, it was, it was when I was in a job that required me to stop and think every day. Okay. The, the job was a thinking. It was like a think tank for the air force where we were, we were encouraged to go to the gym. We were and highly encouraged. It was kind of like, if you, if you were sticking around late, just to stick around late at the office, they're like, dude, who, what are you, you're already here. What are you trying to get more than this? Okay. And um, so I had some time and I, I took my oldest daughter on a, uh, sh- to a dance convention in New York city. And the city was awful, but it was the time with her that I'd never had. And she was 12. And, and I thought, what have I missed? What what, what the hell have I been doing? What have I missed? Okay. Um, and what am I going to okay, so what am I going to get if I stay on this fast train? That's going to be like, what am I going to get out of that? Like a bigger pension check. And what am I not going to get out of that? Any kind of relationship with my kids and maybe with my wife either. Okay. Um, And a, a friend of ours at the time who, who's a therapist said, um, You know, your job is just to hold on until your kids turn 18, and try to get them prepared to go off on their own. Okay, and there, he says, I'm going to say something that you might not think is very, like, cool in the in the current context. But your kids are either going to be okay or they're not. Okay, and you you can have you can have some influence on that around the edges, on the margins. Okay. But you got to be deliberate in, in what you do. You have to really think about that. So that's what we did. We really started thinking about that. I jumped off that. I jumped off the fast train and everybody said, well, oh, you can't jump off the fast train. You'll die. I mean, you're moving too fast. You, you'll just, you'll tumble and die. And I go, no, I think I can do it. And I go, Oh no, you'll never be able to do it. They go, no, I think I'm, I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to try. And, and, you know, guess what? I, I made it almost as far as I would have, you know, had I stayed on the fast train. And, um, and in return, I have a great relationship with my wife. Um, we, we built something intentionally for the, for the kids and our great grandchildren's grandchildren, you know, uh, like a house that's going to last and some kind of a, um, farm and, you know, my own son can identify all the trees on the farm and, you know, he's going to do that. Too. He says he can't wait to teach his own kids that um and but it has to get back to what's your intention why are you doing this and then once you have that intention once you have that objective what like it's it literally becomes like a strategic planning thing what are the tasks that you're going to set about to accomplish what do you what is it if you want your kids to do this if this is if this is true what should i expect to see right if I want kids that turn out like this, then what do I need to do? Okay. Got to spend time with them. Got to show them that they're, you, you can, you can say abstractly, well, family's the most important thing, but if you do something different than that, okay, then they're going to actually learn that you're just lying. Okay. And that, <laughs> that, that, that that's, that that's okay to do in life. Okay. Right. So if you want your kids to know that uh, if you want your kids to know that things are not really important, and you say that to them, but they see you just buying more and more queep to put around the house, okay? Then they're gonna say, oh, those words, okay, I hear that for some reason, that's important to say those words. I really don't know what that reason is, but what's really important is that I don't have to do it. <laughs> yeah, val-
2: values are what you do and not what you say they are.
1: Amen, right? amen.
0: Totally. And I think I think it's also, yeah, I think it's um, it's super worth pointing out um, this h- huge disconnect between what people say and what they do. And it's not enough to just have kids or, you know, say like f- families, everything or whatever. Um, it's you, you, I think the intentionality is so key. And I think, um, we can s- start getting into the the details of like, you know, what we've done, um, you know, specifically, cause I think, I think part of our, um, our goal on this podcast is to talk to people about specifics, like what are we, what are actionable things that we that we actually do. Um, I want to point out um, a narco contrarian couldn't be here, but he um, he's suggested part of his project is to teach your kids to love a place, mm-hmm. teach them to be observant. Um, I think that that resonates with what you said, Tom. Um, for for Patrick and I. Um, even before having kids, before I, I like would get pregnant, <laughs> we bought land in Uruguay. Um, we bought the land and then a couple months later, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm okay with getting pregnant now. Um, because we had a goal, a place to go, uh, a project as a family. And then, and then, you know, early on in our relationship, we talked a lot about, you know, how can we manage our our economic situation, so that we can be with our children as much as possible, especially in their youngest years. Um, so, like before school age, because they're just so intense at, at that time, and they they need you so intensely. Um, and what if we reimagined a way to um, retire or like a mini retirement um, during the time when your caregiving duties are the greatest? Um, why wait? Why, why be gone your, chi- your child's whole life and then you're 65 and they're adults? And that's when you take a break from work, it's like, and then you're bored. Um, so for us, we've, we've just lived with less. We've done something in sociology, they call it downshifting, which is like um, work less. But buy less and need less, but you have more free time and more relationships, and you know more. Uh, you, you know you're rich in time, basically, um, and 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 freedom. Um, so we've done that, and it's been great. It's been so wonderful to um, be with our kids while they're little, to like be with first steps and first words, and to do it together. Um, it's been such a joy for our relationships. With them and with each other, um, Patrick. Did you have something you wanted to add? No, sorry. Um, Jeremy, I'll let you go if you if you had something you wanted to say.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I think that um, uh, we kind of did the same thing, where um, you know my wife stays home to you know, like I said, we homeschool, um, and those first five years. Um, you know, both mom and dad are important, but mom is so, so important during that season. Um, You know, I mean, I think uh, it's clear, I mean, they've done studies on it even, right? Like those first four or five years are, are the, how kids learn how to, how to be social, you know? So all those little things, you know, I mean, being social is really funny because it's, it's a hundred different little rituals that we do, right? And what's, we don't just go up to someone and be like, give me that, you know? And you think, oh, of course we don't do that. That's just not, no, we're like, we actually teach teach that, um, you know, and, and they pick up on that. And so it's it's really fun having a one-year-old again after having a decent gap in between the kids. Cause it's, you, you're reminded of just those little things of like, um, you know, just how important that time is for them. And it it provides them that the safety to just, to learn that stuff and like hey i'm part of this group here these are my people you know and um and i've worked from home for 95 percent of my kids um uh childhood and it's been invaluable it's been awesome because it's like you know i don't have a commute i don't i i don't have to um you know spend time just getting to where I need to go it's like I can have I can make breakfast for the for the family and and be there for lunches and it's like you know how many times it's like hey you know the 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 little boy said a word like come up and like let's you know let's enjoy it together and and stuff and and also you know being homeschooling I'm able to you know be the principal (laughs) to a certain degree you know what I mean where it's just like hey I need your help like kids need need a pep talk or whatever it is and um, but what that, what does that mean? That means we've got, a you know, an 18 year old car, you know, <laughs> and, and it means that we don't go on these vacations. Um, and, and I, I do think, you know, I've talked to a lot of people like, I could never do that. Like we, we are not like a type personality people where we're like, oh, let's, let's have a, a, eight kids in homeschool. It's like, you know, we, we've done it despite our own kind of. You know, we're we're both my wife and I are a little bit more on the creative minded spectrum, so it's like we're kind of scattered. Both of us are, you know, and yet we're still like doing this thing. And there's a there's so many resources out there that can help you. And and part of the reason why we are where we're at is there's a really good community around around it too. And so it's like that's such a massive piece is is setting up not just your own your own system, but also community piece where you have other people. You have um, the Toms of the world, you know, that are a little <laughs> bit ahead of you and have those, those wise, those wise things to say that they've been through it and they've made mistakes that you can learn from, you know, um, as well as younger people that you can, you can be, you know, a, a sounding board off of. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and so I think that's been a really huge piece, but yeah, just setting yourself up like it it's such an important, you know, Tom, I really like what you said being intentional, you know, it's like thinking ahead. I mean, like, what do we want to build here? Because a family isn't, there's this kind of going back to the thing a little bit, but there's this mindset. And I think it's this, the kind of like scientific materialism type of mindset of, of it, you know, why would I just, how narcissistic of me? Why would I just want to make copies of myself? You know? I've heard that, like, why do I want to have kids? I'm not, you know, I don't need little little me's running around, you know, and maybe the world doesn't need little me's running around. But (laughs) it's funny, I went through a phase uh, early on uh, in parenthood, where it's like, everyone should be a parent. And then I went through a phase, I'm like, man, I don't think some people should be parents. But, (laughs) but then I came back around, I was like, man, it, you know, trace back what you said like it changes you and so it's like actually maybe everyone should be a parent because (laughs) it does change you and it makes you think so far in advance and be like you know what what an interesting exercise to think on my deathbed who do i want around me and what do i want um to have built you know and it's and you can talk back from there yeah exactly work back from there for sure and like um you know I've read interviews of, of people on their deathbed and they never, ever say, I wish I stayed on that fast train. Um, or I wish I had more stuff or, or all of that.
0: I know? wish I worked more. Yeah. 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 Like exactly.
2: Nobody,
1: Nobody's last breath is I wish I stayed longer at the
2: yeah. office. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know um, maybe one guy in the history of the world said that um, <laughs> and we pity him, but like, um. Yeah, and so, and so, thinking about that, I mean, like, I I, I realized that actually, you know, family is not just this, you know, group of people that just so happens to hang out. You know, you're building something. Your kids are going to have kids. You know, um, and and so, the the forethought is, what do you want to build? You know, and and it's chaotic to a certain degree because they are their own people and they are going to make their own decisions. And some of them might just go like, I don't want to build this. I'm going to jump off and like, you know, not be part of this family. But if you're intentional enough, if you pour yourself in, if you give good boundaries, high love, high discipline, all those things, um, the chances of them turning out to be uh, a net gain in society right it's like you have that that choice when you have a kid like okay, hey, do I want them to be just consumers and and be a drain on society and or do I personally want to be as well as raise kids that are a net gain in society that add to it that bring creative perspective that's a big reason why we decided to homeschool actually um, was to leave room for creativity because it's like we need more creative thought, you know, in this world. So, um, Tom, yeah, you want to say something? Well, to?
1: I, I, I want to say that there's, um, people ought to be, uh, people ought. This is a normative statement I'm about to make. Okay, people ought to feel free to raise their kids in a homeschool environment, in a rural environment, in a public school environment, in a private school environment you can do all those things and still have intentionality for sure, for sure. And um, so I, I see this on, yeah, this is just, it's, it's unhealthy um, in social media where you see people say, well, if you're not going to the traditional Latin mass, then you're just really not a strong Catholic. He's like, okay, come on, don't try to out church (laughs) the church. Okay. You just, you can't out church the church. Okay. And We have, you know, we have Einsteins that were raised uh, in in a city, okay, and then we have uh, engineering equivalents of Einstein that were raised on farms, okay, and they figured out how to do things, and, you know, uh, the, the, the Romans figured out how to make mortar that's a lot better than the concrete that we have today, without computers and without social media, but and and but those people all came from different backgrounds, okay. And if we're really going to make it, if the Doomer Optimism Project is actually going to survive, it's not going to be narrowly segmented, and it's not going to be by making everybody a one or a zero, where you're either off or on. You're you're in this. Okay, here's our hardcore lane, and you can't go out of it. Okay, it has to be big enough to to accept. Uh, People like us that, that moved around and raised kids intentionally, and then, and then built a place as well as people that like Ashley, that bought the place first and then, and then raised and then raised into it. Okay. Neither one of those are better. They're both moving towards the same objective. Okay, yeah, I think,
0: no. I think your, your point is so important because something I've, I've talked a lot about with just in general with with optimism, but also like big tent movements is to not be super hardcore ideological but instead like meet people where they're at everything is messy, but um, find a find an on ramp for them. Find a, find a way to, to reach them. That's, that's meaningful to them without being judgmental. So I think that's, yeah, Amen. I think that's key.
1: So we've, you know, we didn't buy things. We saved up our money and took our kids on trips. Okay. And so there were some years where, uh, I didn't, I didn't even take my 30 days of leave. Okay. We would bank it for the next year and save our money. And then, and then take our kids on a three-week trip to the south of France and, and find, a, find a, you know, we have a friend whose parents have a villa down there, right? And then they let us live there for three weeks. And then we make little day trips everywhere. Um, when, when the Air Force sent me to grad school, I spent, you know, I had a summer where I didn't have any classes, where I was just writing all summer. Well, I took a month and took my two older daughters on a train trip through Europe. Okay. Now I'm not saying everybody should do that, but what I'm saying is that we did those things with a very deliberate purpose. We wanted to, we wanted to expose them to a wider world. Now we have family members that would say, you do realize there's bad things out there in the world. I go, yeah, I really do. Like I'm aware that there's porn in the world. I'm not going to expose my kids to that, but I am going to explain to them that there is that in the world and that they shouldn't be doing that. And I want my kids to be ready to go to the world so they can, like, I actually had an intention for my kids to teach their kids the same kinds of things. Okay? And now, now what I'm not doing is saying that the people that are trying to protect their kids from the world are wrong. But what I'm saying is, if you make that as your intention, then there will be necessary consequences down the road for that. Just be prepared for them, Okay? And it, it, it's all good.
0: <laughs> I, I have a kind of a, a question. I don't know that I think I don't even have the answer to yet because my kids are eight and younger. So I have a, a one, a five and an eight year old. Um, how do you navigate um, peers? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like the world. Uh, we live in a place where I'm not too worried about peers. Um, and that was intentional, you know, where our friends our our friends, um, their kids are all, you know, I don't know, just pure of heart. And like, there's still a culture of, of that. Um, and like, letting kids be kids and not being too consumeristic and and this kind of thing. But um, I think maybe digging in, in more detail, like, you know, maybe with your experience, Tom, or, or I don't know what your guys' perspectives have been, Trace and Jeremy, with the, with the older kids, but like, do you just you know, tell your kids and arm them with the fact that these peers exist and that maybe our family doesn't, you know, our family culture is, is opposed to certain things that those peers might introduce to them. Like, you know, how how do you navigate the the larger world? Because like, I think on the one hand, you want to make a robust family culture, but they also need to navigate the actual world as it is. That's a hundred percent. Like, you know, So how,
1: (laughs) okay. So what we did is we intentionally, we intentionally put our kids through public school. We had, we believed and the evidence is borne out. And this may be just us. We may, we're an N of one. Okay. But we believe that our family culture was strong enough to survive anything that the kids saw in school. And we knew that the kids are going to see things when they left home okay, that they either would or wouldn't be prepared for. So, we, we let our kids in school meet other kids, okay, and kids naturally will come home to you and say, hey, I want to play with such and such. We say, great. We get, So, we've, we figured out a methodology for letting our kids go to somebody's, we would decide, we would call the parents and have a quick chat with them, Okay, and then we would decide whether or not we'd let our kids go to that house or whether we would control the situation by having those kids come to our house.
2: Hmm.
1: Okay, so we actually set up little heuristics to figure that stuff out. But what we wanted was for our kids to play with other kids. We wanted our kids like we our oldest daughter had a, you know, like she made friends that she wouldn't other ever have otherwise made okay of different races and different colors by going to like all of our kids did they they met kids that that looked not like them okay some that were fat some that were skinny some that were black some that were white my my our second daughter went to probably i would i would guess that there's no more diverse high school anywhere in the country than where she went to in the, in the DC suburbs and her, her best, her best friend was a uh, Syrian and her next best friend was Vietnamese. And they were just like, it was important for her to see that there's people that aren't just like her. And so mm-hmm. then the kids would come home and then say, Hey, this is what my friends do at their house. And we would say, that's great. Here's how that's different from us. Here's why we like, so we're always ready to explain the why. Okay, like St. Peter, give be able to explain why you have hope. Okay, and so we were never afraid of what the kids would see. And I know that there are a lot of parents that really want to protect their kids. I don't want to I don't want my kids to see some some of the things that they're going to see. That's great. And unless they live with you into their old age, okay, they're going to see those things. And then they're going to have a question at some other point in time okay right. i think it's really important to and, and again this was for us so we had family traditions okay we 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 prayed a rosary on sunday together as a family every night or every week okay we we said prayers as a family before we went to bread and before meals okay but um but we didn't make the kids wear uniforms does that make sense like yeah we we we, we had certain things that we did we had things that we didn't do. Okay. Um, we had talks about what was appropriate to wear for swimsuits and what wasn't, you know, and why, and th- there was always the why. Okay. It was always with respect to preparing the kids to be out on their own. Okay. Cause we, we had enough hope and we had enough confidence in our own, um, in, in our own culture that we were building to, to stand against the broader culture of the world
0: i would yeah i i want to hear from trace and jeremy too like if that resonates but i just want to just briefly say back to you it sort of sounds like um if you have a vacuum it will get filled by something Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you might as well not have a vacuum you need to like have a robust family culture already um, so that it doesn't just you know if you're if you're not exactly clear about who you are, or why you are the way you are, um, and what you believe in—some other set of beliefs—is just going to fill in there. So it sounds—it sounds like that's part of the strategy. I, and I'll let Tracer Jeremy go.
3: Yeah, I think um, you know, uh, Tom. You and I are 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 in similar situations, just different phases in life. You know, uh, mm-hmm. me and me and my wife. Have, you know, we're both products of public school. We felt very. Um, Adamant about uh, to whatever degree we could control that to to ensure that they went to public schools as well, um, you know we're also we're also a, a mixed race couple right and so you know there's certain uh, concerns right in in certain environments like school schooling and social environments we need to be aware of where we uh, of where our kids would be able to flourish, um, but um, yeah I mean I, honestly I, I found for me the biggest issue having a 12 year old and uh hold on a second getting the call that's weird um for me the biggest uh issue the thing that's made parenting right now at this moment incredibly difficult is the darn internet (laughs) uh i mean like having a 12 year old being in middle school is the worst time of virtually anyone's life right that is it is the it is the nadir of everyone's life right it's it's a miserable experience because you're you're trying to learn all these things at the time you're a hormonal wreck like everything is going wrong at the same time and the internet is just like it's just it's like we're going to like give this like semi-psychotic person a drip feed on the worst of humanity right <laughs> all of the worst uh things about the world and you know kids are mean kids are trying to figure things out kids are liars they're like they're trying to, fig- to figure out who they are in this world um and the internet uh even if you're uh, you know keeping them from youtube or the other kind of like wider issue is that there's still this the private internet right of the way the kids are interacting you know and the, the one thing i'm finding very difficult nice in some respects uh mv uh, the home uh, the homeschooling crowd is that like school is online now like it, it's not just because of covid it's just that like literally you know my son's in a robotics club at school and they communicate over discord right so whether we wanted our kid to be on discord or not is really a moot point. Like he has to be on discord for this school project. And, you know, discord is just a, it's, it's Reddit, right. It's just Reddit for, I mean, kids are just being mean to each other. So before you had to at least like look someone in the face, pass them a note, you had to actively engage in being mean. Now it's just like this flippancy, you know, of just like, uh, it's just a nonstop uh, fire hose of just negativity and weirdness and joy and fun. I mean it's the internet, right? It is what the internet is and um, I mean it, it is it is I'll say I'll be very very honest that it has been it, it is a tough nut to crack and we're we're in the process of trying to crack it. And every week, uh, if not every day we're presented with some sort of like gray as hell conundrum where we're just like ah oh. How are we? So you're, to you're, you have an opportunity it, you know, like, to teach your kids. What's you that have an
1: opportunity? You have a great opportunity now to teach your kids that that life isn't black and white. That it actually yeah. is great. Everything yeah. in life is great. Yeah. Okay.
3: And, and I want to I want to highlight something that you 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 mentioned, Tom. That I I you know what I keep falling back to. My heuristic that I keep falling back on is that is radical honesty with my kids. Is mm. ensure that they know there is nothing they can say or do uh, that I will um, that will, will I will never pull my love from them, right? Mm. Um, and so they can tell me, they can share their shame with me, they can ask questions, and I will answer them honestly. So when my seven-year-old asks me questions about sex, I'll answer them. You know, like whatever they ask me that comes up, I will answer it, and I'll answer it honestly, I will tell them my opinion on it. Uh, And more to your point, Tom, I will try my best to model my beliefs for them. Um, You know, I know that, like, I mean, that, and that's, that's definitely something that's passed on directly from my parents. My parents were incredibly honest with me. When I asked them, did you ever do drugs? Right? In high school, they were like, yeah, I did. You know, and this is what my experience was on drugs, you know. Um, uh, And they were honest with it. You know, my, my mom, for instance, was like, yeah, I really, really liked acid when I did it. It was a great experience. <laughs> you know, my dad, you know, would say like, "Yeah, I took cocaine, and it was the worst night of my life." You know, and mm-hmm. here's why it was the worst night of my life, right? Um, and you know, in my opinion, it led to me having a much more um, honest engagement with my adult life. You know, it didn't keep me from making mistakes, right? Um, ultimately, I had to make those on my own. Um, but it did mean that I wasn't, there was no mystification around it. Like I had this idea of like, okay, if I do this, uh, there, this is the range of experiences I'm likely to have, you know, like I I was much more, I uh, uh, had much more opened eyes and much, much more clear about what my experiences were going to be moving forward. And I didn't feel as alone. And I also knew that I had people I could talk to, you know, that there was nothing I was going to say to my parents that they were, you know, they might be disappointed, Right, If my kid comes and says you know, they did something that I told them not to do, uh, a pa- classic example in my life is my parents were rabidly anti-gun my whole life, eh, rabidly anti-gun. They would buy me GI Joe guys, but they take the guns before they gave it to me, throw it away. They wouldn't let me watch GI Joe because it was nothing but shooting. Like They were rabidly anti-gun. And of course, when I was 12, I had a friend with a BB gun and we're just like, He-he-he-he. you know, my parents don't know. <laughs> Uh, but we shot cans, and the it, all the BBs ricocheted. Fortunately, none <sighs> hit us, and they all went into the na- the the kid's uh, siding, his parents' house siding, and left all. The, it was the, the siding was riddled with BB hole. Oh know. my gosh! And, um, you know, my parents. I told them. I just felt such shame about it, and I told them what happened, and uh, and then they found out anyway because the parents were really pissed about their siding, um, but like. <laughs> you know, my parents, they still loved me and they made it clear that they loved me, even though they were incredibly pissed and disappointed and I got punished for it, you know, and I think that that's, you know, the radical honesty with your kids, I think is really important. You have to have that line of communication and that's something you foster from, from day one, right? Like you don't, in my opinion, like you don't have the sex or drug talk. It is not a talk. It is actually a long ongoing conversation, conversation. To have with your kids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, uh, Jeremy,
0: I want to hear from you yeah. too about this.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Um so I think that there's a um you can it, part of it depends on like what your motivation is, right? I think a lot of parents they 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 start from a place of fear. You know, and so it's like Oh, we're only homeschooling because we're afraid of what's going to happen to the kids. Right. Um, Or, or we're not going to give them this because we're afraid that this is going to happen. And, and fear is a a terrible thing, man. Like it, it's, it's amazing to, if, if you allow fear to control you, you end up making way for what you, what you fear almost every time. It's amazing. And so it's like, you know, you can shelter your kids out of fear. And then they'll be like, ah, I don't want to be sheltered. And like, and then they'll go off and go crazy, you know? And so kind of coming back to this intentional parenting thing, it's like, no, man, like I'm, I'm working from a place of love and I only want the best things for you, you know? And so, um, what does that mean? Well, you know, everything has a cost. So, okay. Can we do homeschool? Do we want to do homeschool? Do we feel that we would that would be even but be a positive experience maybe not you know and so okay we're we're gonna do public school okay well there is a cost to it you know and there's a there's a, a time cost of of just not being around your kids for much, much of the day you know um especially if they're involved in any extracurriculars it's like you know we did do we did do a year of it just because the season didn't allow for us um to do what we were doing and and um and it was like, it was a, it was a positive experience actually, you know, the kids were in kindergarten and third grade. I, I feel like those grades are pretty, pretty benign anyway, no matter where you're at, you know? Um, yeah. But, and, but there was a time cost to it. It's like, you know, if they wanted to play a sport, it's like, man, that's, our week is done at that point, you know? And we, we mm-hmm. only have breakfast and dinner together you right. know? Dur- during the week, at least, you know? And, and so um, the, you know, but, okay. So if that's what we're going to do, going back to the intentional thing and okay, how do we these constraints um, still get what we want to do. So it's like, we're going to eat dinner every night together. Like we, that's, we have to do that. That is a value of ours. And we're going to do that. And. Um, you know, or whatever it is to to be able to within those constraints of public school, private school, home homeschool, whatever it is, you know, how can we still accomplish what we want to accomplish? Um, and, and going back to the internet thing, you know, again, it's like don't don't parent out of fear. Um, you know, don't just be like you're never ever doing this. But also like you have to equip your kids, you know. Um the you can't just send them out. Like there's, there's the idea of like sheltering or, and and that's more fear-based, right? It's like, ah, I can't let you go, you know? But there's also this thing of like, I'm not just going to let them have free reign everywhere. Like boundaries are so important. In fact, when kids don't have boundaries, that's when they go crazy. They actually ask for boundaries in, in, in little, little children, you see it immediately. It's like, like when it's nap time they just like ah you know they go crazy it's because they they need that boundary of like no listen you can't do that like let's go to bed let you know all this stuff and so um and so it's it it is thinking through like what are like intentionally thinking through what are our boundaries with with the internet with phone use with texting with all of this stuff you know and if you're going to give them that freedom they have to be equipped to handle what comes with that freedom, the good and the bad, you know? Yeah. And so it, it is being very, very, having those conversations with your kids of like, listen, here's what comes with this. And if you make the wrong choice along the way, this is the cost to it. Cause like I said, there's a cost to everything, you know? So it's like, I'm going to give you the freedom to, um, to text your, your, your friends. I mean, this is simple, right? Like. I mean, the, the idea of porn is like a whole different ballgame because that's like, um, yeah, maybe that's another conversation. But, um, but even just the idea of like texting friends, right? That can be a really, really negative thing in that all of a sudden you're just texting people and not actually having real life conversations with your friends, you know? Um, and, and so if you're constantly texting you're not practicing, especially at this age, right? At, at the young ages, you're not practicing this this real life back and forth, how to have a real conversation, interject properly, you know, all of this stuff, right? And, and so you can even tell them, like, listen, it's good you're communicating with your friends. Ask them to get together. Like, don't just sit on a device all day. You know, we're, we're really, we control it highly, Um but we still allow some of the freedom and it's like okay with this comes this responsibility and if you choose to use it improperly here are the repercussions of that
1: just so you know yeah
2: you know yeah i really like it's what down- you're
1: saying i love what you're saying jeremy because the kids the there's natural consequences there's certain things that there's certain things that we actually let our kids do. Like if they didn't want totally. to take a bath, we just, we didn't make them bathe until some other, because some other kid at school is going to tell them, you stink. Yeah. Okay. Th- guess what they're going to do. They're going to come home and bathe. <laughs> okay. Or you look dirty. Sure. Okay. Great. Your hair looks awful. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Because kids, that's self, the the stuff that's self-correcting, we let be self-correcting. Mm. Okay. The The stuff that's, the stuff that's, harmful that they're not mature enough because they don't have a life experience totally to know that's going to harm them then we don't let that happen yeah okay right and and we're always thinking about like because the kids will say well why do i have to learn this and we'd say well because in the real world when you get a job your boss is going to expect this of you okay right now now we're going to continue to we're going to continue to make that point to you until you're gone and then when when we're no longer able to make that point to you, and and you're responsible for it, you, you'll figure it out. Like you you'll figure out that you have to get to work on time. Okay, that you can't yep. just show up whenever you want to. Okay, <laughs> exactly. and you can't just do whatever you want to do this day. There's there's a reason that we're asking you to learn certain disciplines. Okay, to because we believe that the discipline of making your bed in the morning. OK, or the discipline of doing X, whatever that is, will translate to you, you know, doing whatever. But there are other things that we let go, like we didn't fight with the kids over how to keep how dirty to keep their room. OK, and, and there was a reason for that, because we wanted them to have something of their own domain that, that, that they weren't always fighting with us about. Okay. And then if they couldn't find their socks, we'd say, Well, I'm sorry that you can't find your socks. I mean, it's it's on your pile. Okay. There's your natural consequence. Does that makes sense? Right. There, there are yeah. certain things that are really they're really good to help them build their own awareness of the world and on autonomy and independence. And and others that they're just not prepared for because they don't even know that they're not prepared for.
0: Yeah, it sounds to me like you're you guys are talking about um, equipping children with age appropriate tools in Ooh. accordance with their ability to take on the responsibility of those yeah. tools. And then, you know, that is just this iterative process over the course of their, their childhood and into adulthood. Like, I'm gonna give you tools. If you are able to use them, um, I, wanna, I want to like see that you're able to use them and then your responsibility and like degrees of freedom um, grow. I, I also just wanna make a quick comment on Um, the homeschool versus public school um, conversation, I'm like a hybrid of, of um, you guys. So, you know, I just think there's, there's, like, like you were saying, Jeremy, just there's pluses and minuses to everything. Um, My kids go to public school, but it is a short day relative to the U.S. It's only a, it's a five-hour day. Um, And then we do um, some homeschooling stuff Um, you know, when they get home. So I think it's like a nice hybrid because they get to, you know, they have to, at their school in Uruguay, they have to sit for lunch together um, which I really love. Um, and so they, they have this table manners and this whole ritual with that. They have to like, you know, learn to get along with other kids, which you can do even when you homeschool with, at, you know, extracurricular activities too. Um, other time where they have to be around other kids. Um, and then, um, you know, and then when they're home here, we do other stuff, things that they wouldn't be able to do at school. And um, and I think that's okay too. I also have a fantasy of doing what you talked about, Tom, long, long trip with the kids when they get a little bit older like you know slow travel we go to some place for three weeks or a month and just you know live in that place once yeah. a year live live somewhere we went differently to, we
1: went to Colorado we went to you know we our family's got a cabin between creed and south fork in the south in the san juan mountains and we'd go there for you know three weeks at a time and 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 let them play in the river and let I them love climb, that. Let them climb the sand dunes and let them go for hikes. You know,
0: it's so beautiful. And I just, yeah. And I I'm just a big proponent in general in my life, but I also want to teach my kids this, like, you know, life is just super varied and, and like, I would mm-hmm. love for their childhood to be an exploration of the different um, parts of life. I I lived in Chicago my whole life, grew up in a working-class family, and I didn't really experience any part of the world until I studied abroad in Rome. And I was like, oh my god, there's a world outside of Chicago. It's amazing. Um, And so it, you know, I really, really want to expose them to that. Um, We're going to wrap up uh, pretty soon, but I just wanted to, um, I guess, give everyone the chance to make a, a statement um, specifically, along the lines of a lot, our, our ideal listener is somebody who's like, um, you know, just getting started. Maybe they're a doomer already and they just don't even know how to wrap their head around, like, how to take steps toward optimism, to, toward something hopeful. So, with regard to parenting, um, what advice would you give to, um, to somebody who just feels like crushed and overwhelmed by the doom? How do they take first steps um, toward something more positive?
2: Um, yeah, I'll I'll jump in. Um, I love that. I I really do. Because um, yeah, there's there's fear of being pumped, right? Fear and doom being pumped everywhere, everywhere you look. And um, I think from a parenting perspective, um, realizing that. Uh, kids are are amazing and um, and they are the future right and so doing our part to to build something for the future um, that will be a a good thing in this world and I think thinking of being a parent as pouring something into your child you know what I mean Um, uh, thinking of it that way um, rather than uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm just raising a kid. It's like, no, you're, you're taking a good portion of your life um, where I could just be sipping lattes, which sounds really boring, but like, whatever, um, you know, you're taking a good portion of your life and you're, and, and you're pouring into them, you know, and, um, and then it's like, okay, what do you want to pour into them? I want to pour into them like truth, goodness, and beauty, because mm-hmm. I want that. I want that to be the output that they have you know of of understanding what's true like understanding what's good and and creating beautiful things i think if everyone or if a bulk of our population or even 20% like i think it's 20% that that you need to for a revolution right it's like 15 to 20% you don't even need the bulk of yeah. the population but um, to really just understand like like let's create beautiful things and let's create lasting things and that includes our families, um, like we could really, really, um, make a, a really cool society, you know, um, it's, it's, in fact, it's the, the, the doom and the, the fear that causes us to, to do things like, oh, let's depopulate or like, let's whatever, you know what I mean? That's poverty thinking and it will bring poverty, you know? Um, but, changing your mindset to this like abundance mindset of like no like let's work together and create something beautiful together um and and it's absolutely possible and and we should be optimistic about it um because if you're not you will make way for the bad stuff to come you know if that makes any (laughs) sense
0: Totally. Um, I just want to make one little note. Um, Trace, I want you to go next because I want to end with Tom. And Tom, I don't know if you're aware at the end of all of our podcasts, we cut people, we cut somebody off mid-sentence, just a weird thing that evolved. <laughs> um, so I want Trace to go, but then I want Tom to end. And I want you to end Tom with the, the absolute secret key to parenting um, that everybody must know. So so anyways,
3: Trace, you go next. <laughs> yeah, I, I was actually going to, I was going to jump in anyway, because I was like, whatever Tom says is <laughs> going to be the nugget of wisdom that we want to leave people with. It certainly won't be me. Whatever I say will not be what we want to leave people with. So, uh, but I'm actually just going to piggyback off of, of what Jeremy and Tom have been kind of talking about and batting around th- this entire conversation, which is that, uh, because this has actually been pretty Eye-opening for me. Like this, I'm really feel feel very blessed to be a part of this conversation because I think I've, I've, uh, you guys have imparted a lot of wisdom to me. And and the key is that like, we are as a family building something for the future. And now I am one of the chief stewards of it right now, as the kind of the oldest. You know, I'm the parent. I'm the 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 patriarch. Right. I'm I'm here at the top right now. Um, but it will be handed down to my children and then it will be handed down to their children. Um, and I think that one of the things I've been, I, I've been, uh, because I have not been thinking of it that way, you know, and then certainly American culture in a way doesn't, it pays lip service to it, but is not actually set up very well to to enact your life in such a way, you know? Um, yeah, too, in, too individualistic to a certain degree, right? Exactly. And, and, you know, we're, it, there, it's always like we're saving our. You're saving your money for your retirement, and then when you're retired, you want to protect your money so you can. Oh yeah, maybe pass it down to your kids. But like, it's all about like saving up for retirement, saving up for the future, instead of no, we are we are actively producing this thing right now, and it will never be yep. done. And I will just sort of like, I'm working on a novel that will never be finished. And when I die, <laughs> I'm gonna pass that manuscript on to my kid and they're gonna write their chapters and then they'll pass it on. And this novel will literally never be done. It, it is, and, and in fact, the purpose of the novel is the act of writing it itself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, this has been very eye opening for me as I think that there, you know, I think that one of the things I'm, I, that one of my uh, failures as a parent is not realizing that, um, and I don't include my kids. First off, I don't think that me, that we're as intentional as we should be, right? Uh, that's just sort of a, a mea culpa here, right? But, uh, but beyond that, I don't think that, you know, I've been like, oh, I'm in this by myself. Me and my wife are in this by ourselves. We have to do this for our kids. Instead of being like, well, no, I mean, Collins is 12. I, I can, he can start taking ownership of the future that we're building together you know sh- should he be involved in some of the bill talk you know and some of the budget talks you know like should he understand what we're building here and and have and have some ownership over what we leave him you know um and i, I think that that's a very beautiful concept and i really am very thankful um that i've been to be a part of this conversation i, I want to say tom I, I like again i feel like we're there's something in our stories that almost like I'm just you, you know, the earlier <laughs> version of you because my oldest is 12, right? I'm coming to these. I felt like I've been on a bullet train for the last 12 years. And now a big part of like what I'm thinking of and, and a big part of my like mindset right now is, okay, I need to, I need to pause because this bullet train's never going to stop. Right. I've been waiting for it to stop and it's just never going to stop. So I have to pause and think about how I'm going to use whatever is left of my life to build something uh, that I'm proud of and can enjoy and find joy in as I'm building it, right? Because like like I said, it'll never be done. So if I'm waiting for the joy for it to be done, then I'll never have a joyful life. Um, And um, yeah, and now now I'm thinking like, how can I include my kids? How can I uh, give them ownership and impart a sense of ownership in what they're building instead of just being like no this is my nest egg and I'll protect it until I die and then I'll give it to you to do what you want with it. you know um, <laughs> yeah how can I include them how can we collectively the four of us build this castle together you know so yeah thank you all so much for for allowing me to be that's really
0: beautiful that. Trace I have chills from you talking all right T- last word to Tom
1: okay i I love that you're going to cut me off at some random point and I have no idea when that's going to be. I hope I can make a couple good points before then. Um, it, n- nobody knows anything. Okay. The listen, we, and that's just, a, that's something that we have to remind ourselves of all the time. Nobody knows anything. And if uh, both of the, both of the branches of my family were um, illiterate, uneducated peasants, and they can produce a PhD senior military officer. Okay, um, it, who's who's learned how to be comfortable with little. Okay, um, it, they didn't leave us money. They didn't leave us land. They left us love. Okay, and they and they left us some lessons. And today it's, it's really weird. I'm my wife and I are friends with all four of our adult kids now. Okay. But because we were never friends with them when they were growing up, we were their parents (laughs) and they were our kids. And I think that a lot of people today are trying to be friends with their kids, end up in terrible relationships with them. Okay. And, and the only reason that we're friends with our kids is because we were parents to them first. All right. And I love what what you guys said about truth, beauty, and goodness. You loving them means willing the good of the other, okay? Not to make them into something that you like, like you're not creating a work of art. God made them, you okay? All the problems that my kids have are, are a result of me, all the good that they do are a result of grace that came, you know, through whatever we figured out we were supposed to be doing all right and so fill them with truth beauty and goodness give them opportunities to see things within a set of boundaries chesterton said that the kids play best when there's a fence around the school ground then Mm -hmm. they're the most free they're not free when there's no fence they're scared when there's no fence and they huddle around the school okay they're free to explore the yard when there's a fence